Welcome, everybody, to our first episode of Real Estate Climate San Antonio Market Analysis with John Barr III and Marco Romero. Today, we're going to be talking about John Barr's very special, unique San Antonio real estate market update, where he takes all the data that is possibly relevant, puts it into one place and gives you a snapshot of the entire market analysis of the real estate market in San Antonio. You don't want to miss it. And Marco and John will also be talking about interest rates and how they're affecting the real estate market. So stay tuned, put your comments below, tell us who you are, tell us any questions you have. This is a in-depth investor special. We want to help get you guys on track to master the future of the San Antonio real estate market. And you should know the market before the market owns you. So I'm going to give it away to John and Marco and you guys take it away. Welcome. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Yes, yes. This is a very exciting, exciting time that we're going to be going into numbers. We're going to go into statistics. And John, you've been doing this for quite some time. You want to kind of tell a little bit what started this? Yeah, it was something that about a year and a half ago uh, I started doing because I could never find a place that I could find all the data that I wanted to. I was a very analytically minded person. I understood economics. I understand there's forces that drive prices. And working on the investor side, I think it's very important that we understand uh, where the market has been, where it is now, so we can better position ourselves to where it's going. So I could never find a place that gave me the data that I wanted. So I just started compiling it in different areas and putting it into information for myself. And then somebody asked me about a year and a half ago, asked if uh, I would be more than happy to present the data in a more easier format for them to understand. And I said, why not? So I put it together and a year and a half later, now Facebook Live has taken off. So we just went ahead and started just trying to put it out here. Now you're a celebrity. The yeah, I guess so. celebrity. <laughs> Okay, well, let's get into it. I know you've compiled some data. What's uh, sh share a little bit of what you found? Okay, well, like I said, this is uh, I always put in here like the um, what month it's from because some of the time where I get my information, I use some like the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're a few months behind. Sabor usually kind of keeps things up to date by the time we actually do these. So uh, I get it from a number of different sources. A lot of it's the MLS data. Me being a licensed agent, uh, I download the information off the MLS every month and I compile it and organize it. So we'll kind of go ahead and get into the first slide here and we'll explain it as it goes. So the average sales price in San Antonio was just over 255,000 um, or just under 256,000 less this last month and the 3.89% increase. And anytime you see the YOY, that means year over year. So this time last year, we're at a 3.89% increase. And John, Median this, sales is, price. this is just the city of San Antonio, not necessarily Bear County. It's the um, New Braunfels San Antonio MSA. So, so everything in Sabor. Covers Sabor. So, I mean, it doesn't cover all of Bear County, but it does go up to Fair Oaks over to New Braunfels down in San Antonio. So it's all of the data that I can collect from the San Antonio Board of Realtors. So the main areas in this market. Yeah, basically the main areas that drive this market here in San Antonio. So, uh, med yeah, the median sales price uh, is $209,000, which is 3.5% increase from this time last year. Total sales has almost hit $2,900, which is a 9.6% increase from this time last year, which is a huge uptick in, 
in uh, sales heading into the summer. Average rents was fourteen thirty two, which is a one point eight percent increase year over year. The employment uh, now, like I said, this is from March, uh, so I don't have April yet, but we're sitting over one point one million people that are currently employed in the San Antonio area, and is a three. 0.24 increase year over year. So we've been gaining a lot of people here in San Antonio as the South Central Texas area continues to uh, grow month over month. And putting we're, everybody to work. Yeah, we, yeah, we really are. Because uh, you can see our unemployment rate is a 3.47. It's, it's creeped up a little bit, but nothing that's really to worry about. If I saw that creeping up a lot, I'd start to be concerned. But we're the historical average right now for San Antonio, the nation is just four, I think it's like 4.1 or 4.0. So we're way below that here in Texas. Um, now, month's inventory is something that I gauge of the speed and health of the market on the investor side because it shows the overall demand for housing. A balanced market where prices theoretically should remain flat and stable is six months. That means if no new houses were rented, that means every single house would sell in a six-month time period. Um, so anytime we're below that, there's a lot of economic forces to drive the price of uh, housing prices up because there's low inventory. High demand, low inventory drives the prices up. And uh, so you can see we had a little bit of a decrease um, from the previous month. And you see in the next slide are real estate cycles. And I, continue, I would expect to see that to continue to shrink as we uh, move through. So as we go on to the next slide... Hey, so real quick, before we go to the next slide, John, so I, I know that you do this presentation in Alamoria quite frequently, and there's a lot of people yes. that see this data with you because you've been doing this quite some time, so people have seen the progression, but there's a lot of people here that haven't seen these type of numbers before. So for instance, when we look at the percentages on, let's take the top three, the average sales price, the median sales, and the total sales, you have the percentages there. You have 3.89, 3.5, and 9.6. Those are all increases, but compared to what you've seen in the past, is that a dramatic increase? Is it just a just a tick up? You know, where does it kind of fall in line with what has happened in the past? It, it's um, well, so I get what you're going at. Um, so it's maintained consistent, but it's been dropping a little bit, except for last month when it comes to median sales price, we really kind of shot up uh, significantly from the year over year, and you'll see that in my year over year appreciation. But we have been kind of slowly squeezing down, and that's the talk we'll give a little bit later on about the interest rates and how that's kind of, I, I think, affect going to affect these uh, real estate prices. So it's it's been pretty consistent, uh, and you'll kind of see it really kind of took off as we came out of the bottom of the real estate market, and it's slowly kind of compressing down. And I do one for the entire state as well, not as in far in depth as I do in San Antonio, but that's pretty consistent with uh, the rest of Texas, except for the Dallas market, which has just been red hot for like six years now, but they've all just kind of starting to condense and the numbers coming back to the normal uh, appreciations and normal numbers. Okay. And you mentioned the, the main number that kind of stuck out to you was that percentage increase with the total sales. Why did that number kind of stick out to you a little bit more? Uh, it just because normally we have a gradual increase into the summertime, which are our hot months of like uh, May, June, July. But then and then into August, they start to take back down. But this month, this year, it, it shot up significantly faster and in the median sales price um, of last month over the historical month. So it's, it's getting hotter faster is kind of what kind of shocked me a little bit. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Well, this is exciting. All right. I know we're going to, to the second slide here and we can go over that, but just really quick for everybody that's watching, 
We have John here uh, from Prime Homes who's going over the intricacies and the statistics of not only month-to-month change, but year-over-year change. And this is a great opportunity for you as an investor to understand what's happening in your market, which is the San Antonio market and what's covered by Sabor. So if you have any particular questions or comments or anything that you want to cover here, we have the expert. Mr. John Barr here, uh, that, that can go over, answer, and give you just his general feedback of what's happening too, which may impact your business. So uh, be, don't be bashful. Take this opportunity to leave comments and questions. So, all right, let's go on to the next slide here. All right, so this is what I was talking about, the median sales prices and a real estate cycle. So you can see this is from June 2010 through last month of April 2018, and you can kind of see how – the median sales price kind of goes up in the summertime. So every time you see those peaks, that's our summer months. That's the June, July, August when prices are at their highest and then they drop back off and then sales also drops with that too. So all the cycle kind of follow the same between the median sales price, the sales price, the uh, rental prices and everything like that. They follow these very similar cycles. So you can kind of see it jumps up right there at the bottom. That's December. Everybody wants to get into their house before the Christmas time. So you get a little jump in prices there in November. But this is how uh, kind of what I follow to see like how the median sales prices continues to rise over time and potentially fall as as they tend to do and you can see right down there at june right there at the very beginning of the uh chart that was the very bottom of the real estate market was right around the 2010 2011 time frame when prices hit the bottom at the 130,000, and then they rose up since then so that's kind of how i uh put this graph together so i can follow the cycles and kind of see where they're going year over year and you can kind of see for uh april we've gotten pretty high pretty quick <coughs> excuse me um and that's where like we were talking about that it seems like everything's getting hotter faster uh this year so the this graph is to show in perspective you have the bottom to show the progression from there and keep that perspective in line as we go year over year here yes correct Cool, cool. Yeah, I'll move on to the next slide. uh, And you can kind of see how the rents do the exact same thing. Um, The little blip there on the far right, uh, I think that was a mistake by somebody inputting the data. They kind of screwed up and hit a three instead of a four and it dropped it down because uh, I don't see why it would drop that much in a month and then to shoot back up the next. But this is like, this is our rental market. So you can see how they highest rents are always in the same time frames in the summer months. So I've always kind of mentioned to people and we do the same where we try to get our renovations on the market this time of year and we structure leases. We'll do a seven, eight, nine, eleven month lease to make them end in the March time frame to where we can if we need to, we can do a renovation. We can have it on the market for April to catch that next uptick in rent. So it's something uh, we kind of just track and keep in mind to see where they're ticking over time and then just to kind of watch the cycles. So that so you was can huge. see it depicted on That was huge. Can you reiterate that one more time? So your strategy you mentioned is to try and capitalize on the, the highest rent rate that you can and you try and time it in a particular way so that your property is available when those increase in rents are lined up from a year uh, perspective, lining it up with the particular Correct. month. So, I mean, like, because we don't know when we're going to get a property, a uh, good deal comes along. And we, we get one in November and it takes a month rehab, and all of a sudden we're trying to rent it in December, which is the very bottom of the market uh, where we don't want to do that. And if we get a tenant in there, it's like, hey, let's do a four month lease and then re sign for another year. 
Or if they want to say, well, I don't want to stay more than a year. So like, okay, let's do a 14 month lease or 15 month lease to make them end in that time frame, or move them one month at a time, do a 13 month to where you're getting closer and closer to where if a tenant does leave, you are capitalizing on that next market cycle when rents are typically at their highest amounts uh, year over year. That's awesome. Huge. I like what you're, I like what you're doing there. Pretty smart. Y'all, <laughs> if y'all are watching, you should be writing notes. That was a big one right there. <clears throat> So if you move on to the next slide, uh, I'll kind of follow what I use for gauging the health is uh, when I talked about those unemployment rates and why I really wasn't worried that we've kind of been ticking up a little bit because we dropped off very low. You can see in the right now, I tracked this over 20 years. So you can see the last two recessions we had between the dot-com bubble and the real estate bubble. And you can see how fast those, those unemployment rates really shoot up. So that's what would worry me if I see month over month start taking two tenths, three tenths jumps every single month because they, they shoot up quick. So that's why I think it's very important uh, to understand because if unemployed, people aren't getting jobs, I mean, credit markets are slowing down. Uh, the economic engine slowing down and we're moving into a recession. And I would see that start to affect uh, real estate prices and home inventories as well. And so I think it's very important to track that stuff and to kind of keep a pulse on it and see where it's at. So you can kind of predict like, Hey, are we falling down in recession or are we just kind of maintaining and moving right along? So the main things that you're looking at here is the rate change um, from month to month. If there's any big spikes, that, that's what you're looking exactly. for in this graph. Yeah. And I mean, even at this down here at this low, if we get a two tenth, I'm not worried about it. But if I saw month over month, it climbing a tenth or two tenth, three tenths that continuously and continue past where kind of the shelf has been hitting of like 4%, we start getting four and a half and above and continue rising. That's when I would start to be, uh, start to be concerned of where the where things are heading. Awesome. Looks like we're, uh, we, we have a lot of people working here in San Antonio. Yeah, we do. We do. And I mean, we're really moving along. So we move on to the, the next slide. This is where you, when you were asking me about uh, what those numbers really meant, if they've some people that they haven't seen and you can kind of, um, how did you phrase it? What those numbers look like in the past and what they look like today. And this is something I started tracking the year over year appreciation rates. So you can kind of see the bottom down there on the far left of the graph. That was the 2011 timeframe where prices were falling. And then you can see we took jumped almost up to 10% for several years. And then now we've slowly just been kind of trending down. Uh, except for this last month, we jumped up to 9% in uh, year-over-year appreciation. Like I was mentioning, it got hotter faster. Uh, so I'll see if that continues. But it seemed like the numbers had been falling and turning back down to the average appreciation of housing, which is around uh, 3 to 4% year-over-year. Uh, year. And now that's an average over time. So we've been hitting up in the tens for some time now, but we also had negative six for a few years. Uh, so I see us kind of condensing back down to more of the average uh, where it should be uh, for now. So that's why the, I attract this and uh, to answer your question of where it's been in the past to where it is today. Awesome. So that, does that really get what you were going after on those first? Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I didn't realize you had an even better fancier graph coming up later. <laughs> you had it right around the corner. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited what we're going into next. So uh, let's see where that yeah, goes. On to the next slide. Um, and the next thing that this has actually become quite popular, something that I saw when I first uh, got into real estate for, uh, four and 
almost four years ago, they put like the best zip codes based on the month's inventory. Like where are the hottest housing? Where is the lowest inventory, the highest demand for prices to increase to where if you're doing renovations, uh, you have an opportunity to where you're holding on to property for three, four, five months and prices actually increase over time. So I thought that was a huge thing. So we'll go on to the next slide and kind of move this through. Uh, I do it track by two different ways, one by price range and then one by zip code. And I think the price range is important because you can see where the bulk of inventory and the shortage of housing is. And everybody knows we hear the uh, housing demand shortage here in uh, the United States, affordable housing. So like, where are those price ranges really at and here in san antonio you can see we hit a huge shelf when we jump above two hundred fifty thousand, where months of inventory really start to uh climb up at a pretty significant rate so that's why for our renovations that we try to do i try to stay under that two hundred fifty thousand as much as possible uh because there's not a lot of inventory so if you're seeing a one and a half months of inventory that means across the entire city there's only 1.5 months of inventory. So if no new houses got listed in a city where of 1.3 or 4 million people when you include the suburbs, there's not much housing. There's a very high demand for those types of properties. And that's going to continue to increase uh, as those numbers stay low uh, of housing kind of being pushed up into those price ranges at a pretty significant rate. So I haven't broken down as much, but the appreciation year over year, month over month of those price ranges. And I'd venture to say as the higher the prices get, they are lower number of appreciations as compared to the lower uh, priced homes. You might see... 10, 12, 15% increases where in the higher end you might see three or four just because there's not as much demand for those houses. So it looks like the the highest potential here is the $150,000 to $200,000 range just based on the, the lowest inventory. Correct. And I mean, pretty much anything like, because I've represented some buyers uh, a few times in the last couple of years, and, and especially in that price range, there's no negotiating power. And a lot of times you're, the buyers are willing to pay well above the list price and the appraisers are the ones that are actually pumping the brakes and slowing them down and bringing the prices back down. Cause like we get you on to pay that, but the market can't support it. So it doesn't get hot too fast. And then you have things like Phoenix and uh, big recessions happen where prices revert much quicker than they go up. So they're trying to keep the prices uh, where they make a little more manageable, a little more sense. So um, when you're looking at this from your own uh, lens as an investor yourself, is there, uh, what are the key areas that your eyes kind of gravitate towards for your own business that maybe somebody else can kind of emulate when they're looking at these numbers as well? I mean, it's really what the, the months of inventory, because I don't want to have why the margins for profit might be bigger in the three, four, five hundred thousand dollar homes as far as like a dollar amount. Uh, there's not a lot of, there's not as much demand for housing in there. So when we're handing renovations, I want to keep the bulk of my inventory of our renovations in that sub 250,000 to where if I need to liquidate, I know there's a very high demand for housing and they, I can get through those a lot quicker and I don't have to spend as much money and I don't have as much holding costs. Cause if you're paying 10, 12% interest on your money and you got $350,000 pulled out. That's a very expensive bill coming straight off your bottom line every single time. So that's why for us, we're trying to stay in those lower price ranges as much as possible. This is a perfect example of just using data, actual data rather than, you know, emotion or gut feeling or things like that, but actually using numbers and data to guide your business in an arena 
or in a direction that will help you uh, generate more success, but also give you more flexibility when there's uh, situations that don't go according to plan. So uh, these things are huge. So awesome. I'm really excited to see that. So uh, the key key price range, 150 to 200,000. You might want to put a little star next to that one. Correct. And we'll move on to the next slide. And then it gets even more interesting when we see uh, by zip code. So now these are the top bet zip codes as far as months of inventory. That means like if you have a renovation here, more likely or you own a home in one of these zip codes, prices are really going to start going up. And you can see um, in the Anybody knows San Antonio, the 78250, which is number four on that, uh, that list, and 78251, which basically covers the entire northwest side of our city. Uh, it's a very large span of area. There's a lot of homes over there. To see only 1.37 and 1.64 months of inventory shows a very, very uh, housing shortage. And then to see that the average price ranges are all in that sub 200, 250 price range. Most of them are under 200 and a few are encroaching on the 200 and just the two zip codes are in the sub 250s. So it's something if you're doing your marketing into these zip codes, you know, there's a lot of demand for housing. There's a lot of economic forces really driving those prices up over, over time. Totally. Now, keep in mind, everybody watching, if you have questions or comments, throw them in the comment section. We want to make sure we can cover everything for you and, and go over these things. Uh, so really, this is these zip codes, again, the main indicator, the arena in which you're focusing on to determine uh, how powerful these zip codes are really keeps coming back to the months of inventory. It really just kind of show, showcases like what's available. Uh, the supply and demand, I guess, is what it comes down to at the very minimum. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, one zip code I've kind of been watching for a long time is that 78247. Since I've been doing this, it's always in the top 10. Uh, and I went back a year and I think it was in like the low 180s a year ago. And we're just getting ready to hit uh, 200 in that zip code. And that's right off of 281 to the east. Um, that's a pretty good size zip code too. Very well developed, not much land in there. So a lot of people want to live in that area. Uh, and there's not much housing going on the market so they're really kind of prices are increasing in that area and you know i really like to look at this because obviously from a flipper standpoint or somebody that's doing rehabs you know you want to be in an area where uh, you can get top dollar of course but also you have the negotiation power that you mentioned earlier since there's lower inventory you know buyers don't have very many options as far as properties to pursue and that gives you a, a leveraging perspective when you're negotiating with the, these buyers. But additionally, if you're a landlord, you know these can be target areas to buy properties in that your equity just keeps building and building through the appreciation nice. just due to the low volume of, of properties that are available, which can lead to, hey, maybe you sell in a year, maybe you sell in two years and capture that equity and all that appreciation. Or B, you can refinance in a year or two, and now that it's at a higher value, you can get a, a, a larger loan, a loan to value percentage, and uh, you know you know, well, make it yeah, pull exactly pull the equity and, and those type of things. So there's a huge um, there's huge benefits by being knowledgeable of where to attack, being strategic, and where you place your money and actually acquire properties for your portfolio and what. John is providing here is some killer, killer information. I mean, literally right there, the zip codes, the zip codes to be targeting, um, you know, it's, it's harder to get more specific than that. So if you, uh, I would take a screenshot of this and, and save that and go from there. 
And if you go to the next slide, it's, uh, you got the best zip codes, you got the worst zip codes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's something to hear to, to see that, uh, no surprise, all of these that have high months of inventory are the four, five, six hundred thousand dollar houses. Um, there's a few in here that are amongst the lower price ranges, um, but like the 78207 and the 78201, uh, zip codes. The reason those are kind of on here is. They're much more run-down inventory. Um, a lot of housing stock that uh, is very old, doesn't qualify for financing, uh, doesn't qualify for any kind of bank loans, so people haven't been doing anything with them because uh, up until now, there wasn't it wasn't worth buying those properties, putting the money that it needed to take to fix them to try to flip them or sell them because it just it didn't make sense for anybody. But now you see prices are increasing enough to where uh, 72 is 7, historically the cheapest real estate in all of San Antonio is now actually getting prices to increase to where uh, people can sell those properties on the MLS and I can start collecting that data. There's a, some growing momentum there. Well, you, you hit a, a nail on the head with uh, the fact that those type of properties can't even qualify for financing. The typical buyers in those areas might be more uh, people that aren't afraid of the the rundown nature of the properties or paying cash so just the pool of buyers in that arena is so dramatically smaller so of course that would make sense that they the properties over there stay on the market so much longer yep correct so i go to the next slide it's just the portion that uh, we were talking about of uh, the rising interest rates uh, so this is a little slide that I kind of pulled from uh, Freddie Mac and uh, Fannie Mae. They put together to see like where interest rates really are and what those effects kind of have. And this is over a two-year time frame. Um, so you can kind of see those two big spikes that we've had that where industry, interest rates for mortgages, for 30-year fixed mortgages, is hitting, getting pretty close to 5%. Uh, and that's really going to start, I think, it's the way for the Federal Reserve to kind of start tightening the monetary policy to kind of slow down some of the appreciation because as housing becomes uh, less and less uh, available to people and construction costs continue to rise, now you start having the pressure that's driving pricing home prices up and now you have interest rates rising which is going to drive up house payments which directly affects people's ability to purchase uh which so it's kind of like pumping the brakes and trying to slow down the appreciation a little bit and to have housing kind of stop appreciating at eight nine ten percent year over year appreciations so right. i don't think it would revert it and make it go backward um but it's a way for it to slow down and where houses don't continue. So if you're investing only for equity and trying to pump them year over year, that might be a hard, become a little bit of harder of a strategy when they're trying to slow down the appreciation rates by increasing interest rates, housing demands um, continue to go up and construction costs continue to go up. Uh, it might become more difficult uh, over the time frame. Totally. Uh, th that chart is that what you just went over is more of the long-term perspective of uh, where where is the long-term trajectory? What are um, the bigger forces at play? What are they trying to do to influence the market and how that ultimately affects you and when you're investing? Um, but before we go into the next slide, do we have, Kirk, do we have any comments, uh, any questions, any, any uh, super fans out there just saying that they appreciate the, the data here from Mr. John Barr, the third? Yeah, we got a lot of uh, comments going on. 
Uh, Arturo is Guess saying not. this is Guess gold. We got crickets. I'll look on here. I, we got Arturo. He is well, uh, saying this is gold. Appreciate it, Arturo. I don't know if there's uh, a Mike. Lot. Appreciate you being in here. And Hernando, he says that Prime Homes has the best market reports in San Antonio, which is huge. Awesome. So okay, so let's move on to the next one. So Marco, you can't hear me then. Hello. Apparently he can't. Marco can't hear you. I can hear you. Apparently but, Marco uh, can't hear me. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, can you hear me? More. I I can hear you, but uh, apparently you can't, can't hear me. I can. Uh, okay. And anyway, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll keep on going. They don't even. Yeah, need we'll it. go to the next slide, and it kind of goes right along with these uh, the rising interest rates cost. Um, is something that I had found about um, a survey that Redfin had done that said uh, 21, when they did it, they asked a poll of like, what would they do if interest rates rose? And it says 21% of respondents said rising, rising rates passing 5% would increase the urgency to buy a home, uh, which would shorten the supply uh, smaller and driving prices up. But 27% said they'd slow their search to see if rates come back down. And 6% said they'd cancel their search for a home altogether because of rising rates. And so that's where I kind of said, like, those rates go up, that drives payments up. Um, it makes it harder for people to afford home, afford homes. And CoreLogic had built a little model out that assumed a 2.6% uh, rise in home prices based on the inventory, the construction costs, and then a 0.85% rate hike over the next year to try to better uh, to try to better understand what those impacts would be. And then so taking those into account, the typical monthly mortgage payment would rise from from 804 to 910. And that's just a mortgage payment. That doesn't include insurance and taxes, which you also have to realize here in Texas, our property taxes are extremely high because we don't have an income tax. So right. if we saw a 2.6% increase in rise in home prices, we'd see a 2.6% increase in taxes as well. So you combine all those factors into those payments and you're putting a lot of... Uh, pressure on that debt to income that's maxed at 45% right now for your home buyers. So every time those rates go up, every time taxes go up, prices go up, it's putting more and more pressure on those people. And when they talk about uh, that they cannot get wage increases, that's that's not going to be a good combination because if people aren't getting paid more, that means they can't afford more. And if they're taking on more and more debt, that's right going to cause a lot of things. And that's one thing that kind of causes economic credit cycles is people get too stretched uh, and things have to slow down because they just physically can't afford to buy more. Totally. So obviously you went into this and you looked at a lot of uh, key information. I, I know that uh, one of the other key um, pieces of information was just the interest rate in general from uh, the federal, federal reserve uh, and the interest rate that they've, they set and have been increasing. Have you been looking at that at all? That that was off of them. Uh, if they, you go back a slide, it was directly from the Federal Reserve. Uh, so there was a, it was more of a study done on interest rates. Uh, or I mean, 30-year fixed mortgage interest rates, a, a poll of where the average kind of was sitting at. Uh, so I don't know what the actual interest rate currently sits at. I think it's at like a 1.25, but all of it, all of these derive off of that interest rate. They usually kind of say we do 3% above prime, which that's basically uh, or 3.4. So when it was at zero and you saw a 3% interest rate, it's basically saying, hey, we're just three points above whatever the Federal Reserve kind of is. So I don't follow that as much. I kind of do watch a little bit of like kind of the 10-year treasury. You know, it's kind of a staple in the industry uh, just to kind of understand and learn what 
how that affects all these different areas. Cause it's, it's one thing you got to understand too, is these numbers all, they all come from the same number, but they all have different things that really affect these numbers as well. So that's why I kind of watch multiple different areas between the 10 year treasury, the fed prime rate, the interest rates on the average mortgages to see which ones are moving. And so I can kind of over time understand what drives those factors. Totally. So if we um, take all this information, everything you, you just gone over from a bird's eye view, and clearly you've been doing this for months and months and years now, uh, what is your overall kind of takeaway? What are some general um, components here that really come to mind for you? What are the key items that really stood out to you? And then especially more for maybe the newer investor, somebody that, um, you know, is getting more into the business or has just done a few deals, what are some of the key items for them to be knowledgeable about for their own market that they're participating in? I mean, from my own perspective, I'll, I'll break down the question a little bit um, of where I think the market is. I mean, we've been in the, this is now the second longest uh, recovery we've ever had in U.S. history. I have never seen a recession yet. because I've only been doing this for four years. And the last one was almost 10 years ago now. Uh, from when it started. So I haven't seen it. So I'm a little bit leery about that, but it's also what drove me to watch these things. So make sure, like I said, don't own the market for the market owns you kind of thing. Uh, so I want to watch that stuff. So I, I see all these things going on and it kind of worries me a little bit that I'm starting to see. We've been in very loose economic policies, the better part of our adult lives. Uh, so I want to watch that stuff. So I think to me, it we're due uh, but there's still a lot of things. So a lot of people I still follow still think that there we still got room to run for a couple more years. But um, who knows? It could turn on a dime and it could go the other way because nobody saw 2008 coming until it was already there and it was too late to do right, anything about it. Right. Uh, but it's also to kind of hedge yourself to not get too leveraged up with uh, debt and uh, the wrong type of debt to where it's very short term, very high interest rate to where you couldn't liquidate and you don't have an out. Uh, so that's where you... You do not want to be. Uh, so that's kind of where we kind of hedge our business and why I watch this stuff to make sure uh, nothing bad happens or I, if something's coming, at least somewhat prepared about it. Awesome. So um, obviously you took a lot of time. There was a lot of energy and effort and meticulous attention to be able to derive this information, this data, and you have some awesome looking graphs and everything and those type of things. But from a very basic level, is there a way that some people can do some research on their own, um, some websites or places they can go for maybe more surface level, uh, surface level, more accessible information where they can do a little bit of research of their own? I mean, uh, besides tuning into us every month? Exactly. Besides that. <laughs> tuning into us every month, but uh, there's some other stuff you can do. Um I mean, the local board of realtors does a does an okay job. Uh, they kind of tailor it more towards uh, your real estate agent because they follow more days on market. But it'll give you a total sales volume, and some of them do give a median sales price um, out there. Their Texas A and M real estate uh, division uh, puts out a great little website that you can kind of go play around in that shows population, unemployment growth. That's kind of where I get some of this stuff from as well. And they put out articles that uh, the Texas housing authority puts out the federal reserve. They'll kind of put a link to it every now and then. So the Texas A&M real estate research center is a great place that they can go and play around uh, and kind of get familiar with that website and just kind of look at the data there. But that's also why I, 
put this together is because I couldn't find a great place that gave me a good broad spectrum of everything. So it's all kind of very segregated and kind of all over the place uh, of where you're wanting to or where do you need to go to find stuff. Totally. Yeah, Texas A&M, they have some great data. Uh, not not as good as John's here, but they have some really good uh, data there that you can check out with a, a lot of information. And it's pretty accessible. They also have a blog uh, with just some different key components that they kind of are researching in their inputs and what they are seeing. So that's a, those are fun reads in themselves. And it's not just residential. They cover all aspects of uh, real estate in itself. So, John, really appreciate you taking the time, really going into depth here. Um, it looks like we're getting some great feedback here in the message boards already. But um, so I know a lot of people already know you, but there are some that don't. So uh, can you tell a little bit about yourself, your business and how, um, you know, people can get in contact with you and reach out to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook, uh, just John Barr, uh, or our Facebook page is Prime Homes as well. Uh, we also do a little newsletter every month where if you miss a, a live feed or you can't find it, um, you can subscribe to that. And we kind of put a little newsletter out. The market update, a video link is there. PDF slides are available there as well. Um, so you can go to our website at primehomes.com and sign up through there. Uh, my email address is just john at primehomes.com. So I keep it pretty simple there. Um, but... We're, I mean, we're a real estate investment company. We take people's private money and we put it to work. Uh, we have several renovations and projects and some buy and hold properties uh, that we work on and uh, hold on to for the long term. So we into these areas where we see the appreciation going to where we base everything off of cash flow so we can sustain the investment to capture the appreciation over time. So that's kind of our main focus, but it's also why I get this information is to go into my business to make sure I'm not buying in the wrong spot or at the wrong time. Totally. And don't y'all have a, a podcast as well? Yeah, we did start putting out a podcast called uh, The Investor's Journey. Uh, so it kind of just puts a, a journey of ourselves because we, my partner and I, Jonathan Barbera, um, him and I just, we started from nothing and we just kind of went through the journey. Neither one of us uh, had much or any real estate experience. We just kind of came through it up through the ranks, uh, grinding away at it. Um, so we kind of give our experience over all kinds of different stuff or how to do direct mail, how to do door knocking, how to work with contractors, what investment things we kind of look at, how we analyze deals. So I just, I'm an open book of the, how we handle ourselves. So I mean, you can definitely, it's on all platforms. Uh, John handles a lot more of that than I do, but I do know it is on all major uh, podcast platforms. So you can find that where there and you can find more information for that through our website as well. Totally. I know a lot of you are doing some driving for dollars uh, plan for this summer. So definitely check out their podcast. And the unique thing about their podcast is it's both of them giving their insights. It's not, uh, it's not uh, all theory. It's actually practicality and insights from yeah, their own experience. We didn't a book and not do ourselves. We did it ourselves. And that's why we just kind of exactly and what we learned, what we didn't learn to kind of maybe save some time to help soften that uh, learning curve that can be so rough in real estate at times. Totally. And totally uh, reach out to John. I really recommend it. And his partner, John, as well. They're both quality individuals here in the San Antonio market. They're doing some exciting things and they are open books, always willing to help. And it's not always easy to find people like that. So I recommend you uh, reach out to them. So again, thank you, John. Appreciate you taking the time to go over this. Hold on a second, Marco. (laughs) You can't hear me get in there. Marco has discovered the way to shut me up. He just doesn't. Is it J-O-N or J-O-H-N for your partner, John? His name is J-O-N. Mine's J-O-H-N. And he's got the same last name as, uh, as me. Yep, correct. 
That's interesting. I wonder if we're related. So anyway, yeah, before I'm here either, so you guys might be related. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> um, although I think this is the huggy part. This is the Texas part right here, man. My my uh, my father's side, they got they got thick Italian hair. Um, but before we go, you know, we're gonna do this every month. This is our first time doing it. And I wanted you guys to real quick tell people why they should tune in next month. What's the point? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? What is this going to help them with next month? I mean, the reason I say tune in every month is because these things do change. Uh, they might not change month to month as much, but every three months they can make, make a huge difference. So you don't want to be caught off guard uh, with this. this is why I put this data together every month so I can look backwards and see how it's progressing and changing every single month. So, I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge benefit to, I mean, you're an investor. You look at the big investment companies, like and they're doing like stocks and stuff. They are constantly watching multiple areas yeah. of market all the time. So like, why would we, why would it not translate to real estate? Yeah, that's, that's, that's Warren Buffett's, that's, that's, Warren the Buffett's, that's the quote. I, oops, I have a, uh, feedback. That's the quote I, I picked is, you know, Warren Buffett said, uh, rule number one of investing is don't lose. Rule number two is don't forget rule number one. And exactly. part, of, part of the way to do that is to make sure you know your numbers. And, you know, it, as an outsider, I see a lot of people not taking that seriously enough. And it's shocking to me that there's so many real estate investors and they don't really know what the heck is coming or what might be coming. So I think it's a great show. I'm really excited to be, you know, helping to produce this. Also, um, just so everyone is aware, not only are they going to be doing this amazing market analysis that John Barr puts together of all this data points that nobody else is putting together in the way that he's doing it. You're also going to get every month a unique piece of international or national news applied to your mar your uh, local real estate market Correct. by and these this, Yeah, like this, like this month, it was the cost of rising interest rates. So next month, who knows what we find? Because there's always people putting out information that I find interesting that I kind of subscribe to and check out. So I mean, I'll throw one of those in there and then Mark and I will, we'll talk about it. Discuss it. Also answer questions uh, on Facebook from people. I like it. Okay. So I think that's it. Um, everybody, thank you. And make sure you keep putting your comments below and uh, John and Marco and maybe John J O N will come by <laughs> and answer any questions you may have. You know, this will be up uh, forever. So ask questions and we will answer them. So good deal. Well, we'll see everybody next month then. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Peace.